0: what's up friends combat addict here uh i've decided that i'm gonna add uh at least one more day to our our weekly video lineup we got the wednesday and the saturday shows but we're doing a monday show now where we do reviews of what goes down on saturday night wednesday is just going to be more uh general stuff about uh you know less about fights that have happened and more about what's happening in the MMA world, or at least the UFC world generally. So uh, this is going to be basically the uh, fight recap for for whenever there's a fight. There's a fight, we're going to do a recap a couple days afterwards. If there's a fight night on a Wednesday, there was a fight night on a Wednesday a couple months ago for whatever reason, then we'll do a recap uh, probably on the Friday. Or something like that maybe the Saturday just depending on how scheduling goes but uh, the way I want to do it uh, we're gonna do main card recaps for now prelims are great I'm a huge fan of prelims if you don't watch prelims (coughs) excuse me choking on my own saliva if you don't watch prelims you need to watch prelims it is a necessity that you watch prelims there's so much talent out there, so many guys who are hungry, not only so many guys who are hungry, but so many guys who are just insanely good, insanely good and really entertaining to watch, really, really a treat to see work in the octagon, and if you are not watching prelims, man, you're missing out. You got knockouts in that in that uh, undercard. You got uh, submissions. You got geniuses out there, and of course, I got hiccups right when I started my podcast. This is fantastic. I got some water over there. Maybe if we drink that, it'll help out. Honestly, that's usually not how it works for me. I've noticed I've noticed that when I get hiccups, I get hiccups not just for like 20 minutes or something like that. I get hiccups on and off for like a day, like a whole day. I don't know how it's possible that that, that, that goes down, but it's it's almost like my body... It just it's it just it it almost gets all of the hiccups out and then it just holds on to like a third of a hiccup and it just brings it back up just builds it back up and fucks with my sternum. In any case, you can hear me drinking water. Uh big announcement. The 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 podcasts, the shows that I'm doing on here are now also going to be distributed across podcast platforms. They should be on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all that stuff. So if you don't want to watch me on YouTube, guess what? My mouth does the talking. Is a podcast on those uh, those platforms as well. And uh, they 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 the podcast that I put up there they are under My Mouth Does the Talking from the Combat Addict. So there's that. Anyways, let's get into it. Enough of me blabbering on. UFC 250. Oh my god. Jesus fucking Christ. What a show. What a show, guys. We really got a great night of fights there. The only the only fight that I wasn't super stoked about was the Neil Magny and the Rocco Martin fight. And even that fight wasn't terrible. You know what I mean? It wasn't it wasn't a Nganu uh Lewis Lewis disappointment. You know what I mean? It was it was actually a decent fight, and uh, you know you didn't leave that one feeling kind of like you did after Adesanya and Romero. It was uh, it was it was still a de- decent fight, uh, but we started the night off with Sugar Sean O'Malley, and goddamn is Sugar correct, guys? I mean the kid every time he fucking fights, and I just want to say this about Sean o- Sean O'Malley when he says Sugar Show. It's so fitting because seriously, guys, I, I imagine that if you could take like hard candy, if you could get hard candy and uh, and turn it into a fighter, it'd be Sugar Sean O'Malley. Watching him is actually like just savoring some hard candy, but with your eyes. I'm so serious. The kid is phenomenal. The first time I saw him, I knew he was something different. I mean, he's fucking incredible. He's throwing spinning shit, as people say nowadays. It's fucking spinning shit that he throws, and he throws it well. Um, really, really calm, cool, collected, down-to-earth, gamer, fighter, just an all-around good guy. I saw a video of him couple days ago sparring with uh with uh not a couple days ago yesterday sparring with one of his twitch uh fans i mean who does that you know what i mean who just yeah fuck it whatever we'll just throw you on our youtube channel i'll just spar you you know (laughs) beat you up a little bit (laughs) uh but still be nice about it so shout out to sean o'malley he's a fucking man fucking love that guy um and really he 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 could be champion he could be a champion um the only reason that I hesitate in saying that is because as we continue through these fights, you're going to see that the Bantamweight division is the new lightweight division in the fact that it is stacked. It is stacked to the brim. I'm talking like there are killers everywhere. The top five is fucking insane. Um, anyways, Sean O'Malley is fighting Eddie Wineland. Eddie Wineland, uh, as I understand it, is a veteran. He's been around for a while. And he has the most knockouts in bantam weight history, um, WEC and UFC history, I believe. Uh, I'm hoping I'm not quoting that fact wrong. Uh, in any case, this fight was short and sweet. Short and sweet, folks. Uh, we had great movement from O'Malley right out of the gate. Uh, lots of kicks and creativity. Um, and this is this is honestly why we love Sean O'Malley because he is so creative. Um, the thing about watching, you know, an orthodox fighter who just kind of throws the basics is that it's kind of boring. You already know he's going to throw a jab, and then he's going to throw a cross, and then maybe he's going to throw a hook. And if you're really fucking lucky, he's going to be put into a position, possibly accidentally, where he can throw an uppercut, and it might land. That's the the truth with, like, a lot of fighters. It's people are not that—people aren't willing to take that kind of a risk to throw an uppercut, especially, like, in, in MMA, I find— it just seems that that's something that if you throw that, you, you really got to be, you know, a, a killer out there to, to end the fight. A lot of people just kind of stick to the, to the basics, but Sean does all kinds of all kinds of different stuff. Um, anyways, something that I think is really, really, really uh, interesting about Wineland is that he, he is literally a fighter out of the 1950s. Um, the commentators are talking about how he's got this crazy mustache and he's got his hands low and he just looks like, he just looks like if you were trying to, if you cut a, 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 a figure of somebody from like 1942 out of a newspaper, like in a, in a street brawl and just pasted them into the octagon. He does kind of look like that. Very funny. But, uh, he got ended at, uh, 307. There were three minutes and seven seconds left in the round and Sean O'Malley faints an uppercut with the right hand, faints a jab with the left hand, and bombs him with a straight right over the top, uh, puts him out. I mean, fucking to sleep, uh, cardboard box flat. And, um, interestingly enough, O'Malley just sort of (laughs) walks off like, all right, well, that's that. That's that. And, uh, I do want to talk about this. I do want to talk about this. There is something very, very interesting about that approach to having won a fight, as opposed to freaking out and losing your mind and screaming Henry Cejudo style or Tyron Woodley style. Not to say that there's anything wrong with that, but just to say that it's clear to me at the very least that uh, the, the aura that you give off when you just act like it's another day on the job is so much more powerful than the aura that you give off when you yell and you scream. And this is something that, um, uh, I mean, even even John Jones in the early days uh, didn't freak out when he won fights, you know, and it just made him look immortal. It just made him look unstoppable. Like he beat you and then he would just be in the middle of the octagon, just, just kneeling down. Conor McGregor did the same thing. I'm pretty sure that when he knocked Jose Aldo out, he didn't even freak out. He just hopped on the top of the fence, straight faced and looked around. And there's something about that. um, And I don't think that Sean O'Malley is copying them per se, but I think that uh, there's something about fighters doing that, that really is actually psychological warfare in the long term. Because when you do that, you got to understand any of your future opponents who have to watch your fights or study your tapes are looking at you. And they're like, this guy is just fucking walking through people. He doesn't give a shit. Inside you might be freaking the fuck out. You might be losing your mind. You know what I mean? Inside you might be like, holy shit. I just one punch knocked this fucking guy out, but you got to hold your shit together and keep yourself composed. This is just a strategy that people could use in order to, to give off the impression that you are basically immortal. Like you are unbeatable. You're untouchable. You aren't worried about this guy. You were never worried about this guy. You knew that you were gonna knock him out and you're gonna knock out anybody else who comes after you after the fact of the matter. I am a huge fan of the nonchalant victories. Huge fan of knocking people down and then just just, just doing something really quick and sweet to let them know that you got them and it's not a big deal to you. I mean, Cody Garbrandt does this. He points at people. Corey Sandhagen knocked somebody down and just sort of threw his hands up like "What now?" You know what I mean? It's fucking cheeky. It's it's badass. It's very cool and very effective. I think that that is probably uh, the best way to 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 conduct yourself when you win a fight. Uh, and that's exactly what Sean O'Malley did, man. Completely calm, straight face. You know, he was happy, and he 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 made it you know known that he was happy, and uh, and that and. And that's and that's great, uh, but he was very 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 chill, and that's an important thing uh, to to be able to to convey. Um, so man, sugar is right. The man is sweet. Sean O'Malley is a sweet 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 man. And as Aljamain Sterling would say, pause. Uh, but our our next fight, next fight was between Rocco Martin and Neil Magny. Uh, so this, this fight was, was not the, I think this was probably the worst fight of, actually, no, because technically the Amanda Nunes fight, ah, but then again, you like to see Amanda Nunes work, right? In terms of the fights, this was the least entertaining fight for me. This was the fight that I was least entertained by, not to say that there's anything wrong with either of these guys. Uh, this was just a fight that kinda, I mean, if it was a five round fight, you could tell that, you know, Rocco was probably getting finished in the fourth round or something like that third round was really, really entertaining. Um, But just in terms of their performances, we'll start with Rocco. Uh, Rocco's got great grappling and jiu-jitsu. But the thing about it, the the problem with it is all the grappling and jiu-jitsu is that Neil's build and strength just made it so that whatever techniques that Rocco was trying to use, Neil just sort of powered out of him. I think there was a moment in the first or the second round where uh, realistically, Neil has got like a, like a, like a, like a wizard or, 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 or something on the bottom. And, uh, he, he, he shouldn't be able to just power out of this position. Uh, he should have to use some technique, but he doesn't. It, it looks to me like he just sort of stands up. Like he's just stronger than, than, uh, Rocco in that, in that moment, uh, whether it's because of his build or the or the, uh, the the leverage of his height or whatever it is, the point is he just got up. Um, and Rocco was trying to take him down and everything like this, but uh, it just... It, Neil didn't make it easy for him. You know what I mean? They were really up against the cage for most of this fight. And um, the one takedown that uh, Rocco did get in the second round, it looked like it exerted a whole lot of energy. I mean, he lifted this guy way up. I'm talking, like, you could tell it took everything in his fucking being to lift this guy up and put him down. Um, and so, I mean, it goes without saying that, that Neil Magny sort of had the advantage here. He was winning, in my opinion, all of the rounds. Um, uh, I gave him 10-9 all the way down, and I'm not really generous with my 10-8s. Um, I, I understand that, uh, Apparently that's supposed to be what's happening. People are supposed to be more generous with these 10/8s. Me myself, I am not generous with 10/8s. If I'm going to give you a 10/8, you need to show me that you have like completely dominated this individual. If somebody is 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 creating intelligent defense and striking back here and there, that's not really a 10/8. You know what I mean? A 10/8 is where, you know, you're literally being shut down. Like you're literally just surviving. But not even that well. Like you're not really your intelligent defense isn't really working very well. That to me is sort of a 10-8. If you are completely and totally, utterly dominated. If you're still in it, I'm not gonna give, give uh give that that fighter who's fighting you a 10-8 just because. I don't know. I, I just I just that's just how I feel. But maybe I should change my opinion on that. In any case, Neil Magny had great takedown defense. Uh, he went for takedowns. Uh, at times when he shouldn't have, though, his takedown defense was good. But on the other foot, it was like, why would you go to take down Rocco when you are clearly at an advantage on the feet? This was something that I thought was strange with regard to Neil's performance. Like in the, I think it was the first round or no, no, it was the first, first or second round. I really got to start writing the, the rounds down. Uh, rounds down. He's peppering Rocco up on the feet like he's he's getting them you can tell that there's a momentum behind his striking if he continues to do what he's doing he's gonna bust Rocco up but then he he lunges in for for a takedown up up against the fence and and gets tangled up in a in a clinch match and it just it didn't make any sense to me because I thought I'm thinking to myself okay you are the taller longer fighter and you're winning on the feet why are you clinching it makes no sense to me. It makes it makes absolutely no sense. Um, it happened again in the third round. Um, he's tagging Rocco. He's tagging him up. And he goes for a takedown again. And this is something... And this is... I, I don't know. The thing is, I'm not a professional MMA fighter. Okay? So I sometimes have these opinions and say these things. And I just wonder if maybe I'm not seeing what these guys are seeing. But in my mind, if you are dominating somebody in an aspect of the game fuck everything else keep dominating them and when that starts working switch it up that's how you should be doing that that's my personal opinion because at that point you're basically letting them get used to one aspect of your game and then fucking them with another one that's the strategy you don't you know you know, fuck them up on the feet and then try to take them down where they want the fight to go anyway. If I'm Rocco Martin, you think I want to stand with Neil Magny? Fuck that. The dude's so fucking tall. Hell no. Hell no. I'm taking that fight to the ground every time. And that's what he was trying to do. So it was strange to me that Neil was, was almost indulging this. Like it was something that he, that he, that he wanted. It's also really weird because, Neil actually made really great use of the calf kick, which everybody is talking about how uh, the calf kick is basically um, like the future. Everybody is doing it. It is so effective, Um, so effective uh, that and I know this is breaking my prelim rule that we don't do prelims on Monday, but um, Alex Perez got a, a TKO via calf kick in the prelims earlier in the early prelims. Uh, which, by the way, shout out to Alex Perez. That kid is coming. He's fucking the real deal, as far as I'm concerned. That kid is uh, that kid is serious. Um, another example of why you need to watch the prelims, folks. Um, but in any case, uh, Neil Magny, you're beating you're beating his legs up. You're beating his face up. Fuck the ground, man. Take him to the ground. When you have to take him to the ground, when he starts to catch your timing, take him to the ground when he checks your calf kicks and you don't like that. And i say, t- and I say that because if, if you get him used to dealing with the strikes, when you go for the takedown, it's going to be there. But when you, when you, you strike up here and then you go for the takedown and you don't get it and come back and strike up and go for the takedown again, first off, you've already put it in his mind that this guy is going to try to take me down. So you're already at a disadvantage because you don't have that element of surprise, right? Second, you're just tiring yourself out for no reason. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna belabor that too much. Anyways, the third round was a great great round for Neil Magny. I mean, he really just laid it on, laid it on Rocco, and uh, it, you know it was pretty one sided. But at the end, Rocco came out into into his own, and uh, I think that both of them should be proud of their performances uh, and just keep working to get better. Uh, next fight, we had Aljo, the funk master, Aljamain Sterling, uh, versus Corey Sandhagen. Now, I was rooting for Aljamain Sterling. Uh, I have been a fan of Aljamain Sterling for a while. It was, it was heartbreaking for me when I saw him get knocked out by Marlon Moraes. That was tragic, okay? I had to go through weeks of therapy to deal with that incident. Um, so I was, I was rooting for the guy, but in my, in my mind, for whatever reason, I don't know why I felt that Corey Sandhagen was going to win. I didn't know why. I didn't know why I was like, oh my gosh, like, I, I feel like Corey Sandhagen might win this. He might, he might actually win. Um, but I'm rooting for Aljo. Um, am um, I'm hoping that he's going to pull it off and oh my God, I listen, listen, I'm glad I was rooting for him. And I feel bad that I ever doubted that he might win that fight because he came out of the goat super aggressive. And folks, listen, we say short and sweet. This one was short and sweet, folks. This one right here. No time. Okay. 332 rear naked choke submission of Corey Sandhagen. First round. First round. He comes out of the gate super aggressive, dominant, owns the center of the octagon, okay? They make their way over to the cage. I think that Corey uh, threw a kick. Aljo managed to block it, get out of the way of it. He came in, took the back, jumped up, threw his hooks in. They land on the ground. Aljo throws his uh, body triangle on and just starts working for that choke. Just starts working for the choke. And um, I'm not sure if this was the... I don't believe that this was the the fight where 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 he flipped over where he flipped over to secure the choke, but um, He got it he got it he got that rear naked with with that body triangle in there and uh, I'm proud of him. I'm happy for him. and I'm telling you right now he gets the next title shot Whoever wins he gets the title shot everybody unanimously declares this he gets the title shot for sure so proud of you Aljamain you know? Go come on that ass. Pause. But yes, go come on that ass. I I'm 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 I'm, I'm, I'm proud of you. Go fight whoever wins that Bantamweight weight that Bantamweight weight title and, and and go go come on that their asses. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? Anyways, fourth fighter of the night, Cody Garbrandt. Now listen, Everybody, look, we all we all love Cody Garbrandt. I don't know anybody who doesn't like Cody Garbrandt, okay? Cody Garbrandt is like, man, he's like, if you could just take testosterone and rage incarnate and just manifest it into flesh and blood as a fighter, it would be Cody Garbrandt. His fucking name is Cody No Love Garbrandt. The dude literally lives off of hatred. He is fueled by hatred. I'm not even kidding you. His title, his first title was won by decimating somebody who was a rival to his camp for years. He hated Dominic Cruz and humiliated him and took the belt because of that No, we're not because of that, but, but was motivated in part by this hate and disdain for Dominic Cruz. In that sense, it worked for him. However, as you all know, hate is not the best thing to use as fuel. The dark side is some real shit. I really believe that Star Wars was getting into something there because that same hate and that same anger and that same aggression had him humiliated in front of the world by TJ Dillashaw, a cheater, by the way, uh, twice. Uh, he got way, way too emotional and ran into three right hooks, I think it was, that that, that were thrown uh, like over and over and over again. And, and and lost pretty much everything. He lost those two fights. And then he lost another fight, which I actually don't know if I've seen that one uh, after that. So we're all hoping, and I, I am sure that the whole world was sitting there just holding their fucking breath. Just like, please, please, Cody, have your shit together by now. Please, please have come to a place where you're not just trying to fucking murder the other person in the octagon and actually... Take your time and 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 calm yourself and fight intelligently because you can be so good if you just get rid of the hate, right? Honestly, that is deeper than a lot of you realize. There are so many people out there who, including myself, who really that that is got that is that is that should be hitting home, man. Sometimes you just gotta let go of that shit and accept it being positive and feeling positive is much better than letting all of the anger and the rage fuel you because the anger and the rage it is fuel uh it is fuel but i mean i guess it's something like would you rather be fueled by cocaine or fruits and vegetables you know what i mean like yeah you snort a bunch of cocaine you can put your fucking head through a wall and get a lot done but eventually it's going to catch up to you you know what i mean you might as well go for the fruits and vegetables which i guess is just love and positivity and happiness and peace and all that shit. Not always easy. Sometimes you want some cocaine, but I'm just saying, you know, you should focus more on the vegetables than the cocaine. Anyways, point is this is what I'm thinking when I'm watching this fight. I want him to win. I want him to be successful. Um and he's fighting Hafiale Sunsoul. Uh who is I mean, good fighter. He's 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 a vet. Uh what can you say? Um, I don't have much to say about Rafael, uh, but uh, they're supposed to fight. Um, first round, I'll tell you right now. First off, I just want to say it is it is so clear to me how, like how high the level is when you watch Cody Bar- Garbrandt fight. It is so clear that it is a chess match, and I love this. He came out of the gate, and he's playing it smart. By the way, can I just say this guy's fucking hair, phenomenal, phenomenal, can we all agree that he's probably got second best hair in the UFC behind Sean O'Malley, I've, I've gotta say, I mean, Jesus, he looks fucking gorgeous, the man just looks amazing, and that new tattoo on his back, he, yo, he came out there looking good, that's all I'm gonna say, the man looked sweet, okay, um, Anyways, back to the actual fight and the content of what he does for, for a living. Um, he took his time. He took his time, and uh, he was establishing kicks, uh, calf kicks, um, and his, his timing was phenomenal. Timing was phenomenal. He was throwing right hands, ducking under, rolling, rolling with punches, and, and, and he just looked pretty. You know what I mean? When, when Cody Garbrandt throws his hands, it just looks nice. Uh, a sunset was struggling on the feet against him. It was clear in the first round clear second round comes, comes around sort of more of the same, more of the same, Uh, Cody Garbrandt, I thought had kind of taken his foot off the gas a little bit, but I thought that that was simply just, you know, him sort of just being patient and taking his time rounds about to end. You all know what the fuck I'm about to say. I don't even have to say it. I could say, I could literally, honestly, I could probably skip this portion. I could probably just not say anything. And every single one of you would be like, yeah, man, that was fucking sick. Everybody in the world knows about this or should know about this. With one second, I say one second because I don't know if it was on the buzzer, but honestly, the punch landed, I heard, before the buzzer. So I'll say it one second left in the second round. Cody Garbrandt is up against the fence. He squats all the way down. Puts his fist behind his knee. Blades his body with his, with his left shoulder pointing forward. Baits a Sun out into throwing a punch down at his head. And then he comes up and across. Pivoting his hips. Turn, uh, pivoting his feet. Turning his hips. And throwing his body across into a Sun Tso. I don't know how many of you who may be listening to this have trained combat sports. I don't know. But they teach you that a lot of your power, or actually most of your power, comes from the actions of your feet and your hips. That is where the torque and the explosion is going to come from. That is why Mike Tyson was just knocking people out, as far as I'm concerned, when I watched his fights. He's just throwing hooks with everything in his body. That is what the hook does. That is why it's so effective, in my opinion. Because you can literally throw half of your body into the punch. Not only does Cody Garbrandt throw this straight across a Sun South's South's face. Flush. He is elevating himself at the same time. So he's coming up and across. It's like if you were going to jump into someone. Like, if you... You, he's jumping from the ground up into a Sun Tso's face. Knocks him clean out. Clean. I'm talking the guy was flat as a pancake. I'm talking they had to take him off of the stool. He could not even sit up. It was phenomenal. <laughs> and for somebody who was hoping that Cody could just get his ish together. I was ecstatic. So happy. Unbelievably happy that he could get it done that way. I mean, it was fucking beautiful. Beautiful. It's already a pleasure to watch Cody work, period. Let alone to see him land what is probably going to be one of the greatest knockout victories in UFC and MMA history. Fucking incredible. Man, Asuncao was going out after the fact of the matter. He couldn't even sit upright, man. Man, he got fucked up by that one. He got fucked up by that one. But Cody's boxing is is like no other, man. His boxing is really, really quite unique and insane. And it is a beautiful thing to watch. Beautiful thing to watch, man. He's one of the few fighters where when you see him in there throwing hands with people, you can quite obviously say, like, no, this guy's just on a whole other level. Like, he's just he's just insane. Like, and I'm talking specifically about the hands. His striking generally is not that complete. Like, he's not throwing crazy kicks and stuff like that. But he's one of the few fighters where you can say, just from a boxing standpoint, he's just on another level. It's, it's sort of, and not quite as much as this. Because, you know, obviously Habib is much, much better than everybody else at grappling. But it's almost like that, where you look at the person and you say, no, no, that is an X factor that this person has. And the fact that he was able to showcase it so brutally and so, not even brutally, so, it wasn't even brutal. It was just fucking sick. It was elegant. It was fucking Nasty and pretty and and disgusting all at the same time. It was just fucking ah, and the and the the sound he makes when he throws the punch just he just breathes all of the air out and you can tell that everything is in that punch. Super satisfying, super great to watch. I'm gonna stop fanboying now. Cody Garbrandt is back. KO second round. Fucking awesome. Now before I move on to the main event, I just want to say. Most of the fights that I have talked about tonight, and the most entertaining fights, the fights with the finishes, bantamweight. Cody Garbrandt, bantamweight, former champion. Aljamain Sterling, bantamweight, going for a title shot. Corey Sandhagen, bantamweight, even though he lost, he's a fucking phenomenal fighter. Sean O'Malley, bantamweight. Man, this division is fucking crazy. We haven't even talked about Marlon Marais. We haven't even talked about Peter Jan. All these guys are in the same fucking division, and they're all not even in their primes yet, as far as I know, except for maybe Cody. I think he's he's just about to be in his prime, but I'm pretty sure Aljo is just hitting it. Corey is still pretty young. Sean is definitely not in his prime as of yet. We're in for a fucking treat. I'm telling you, the bantamweight division is the next division. The lightweights, yeah, they're great. Yeah, they're good. But I'm telling you right now, oh, there are so many good fights here. There's so many, and there, and I like all these guys. That's the next thing. It's gonna be so hard to pick somebody to root for, because I like all of them. I love these guys. Um, Man, exciting times for the bantamweight division. Seriously, it's, it's gonna be awesome. All right. Uh this is this is going to be honestly, guys, I don't even I almost I almost don't even want to talk about this because it is so goddamn embarrassing. Like how good Amanda Nunes is. I mean, it's just she's so good. It's you're almost I mean, cuz I love Amanda Nunes. I would never say that I'm I'm sick of her. But you're almost tired of how good she is. You're almost like I mean, Jesus, like you you really you really haven't faced any adversity? Like, you really just don't... There's just nobody who is going to be able to even give you the, a prospect of a good fight? Like, you are just going to dominate every single time you fight? Seriously? I mean, it's it's almost... It, it's to a point now where you, you kind of just throw your hands up, like, why would you even bet money on anybody else? Somebody put $1 million down on Amanda Nunes and won $160,000! And he's a genius. I mean even though that still made me nervous that he put the money down, we all knew she was going to win. We all knew this. We all know she's going to win, right? At this point it's for her opponents, it's not even like trying to win. It's just getting the opportunity to fight her and see how well you can do and how long you can last. That's what it is now at this point, which is crazy. I mean that's insane. It's insane that we have all pretty much acknowledged that at this point, like, anybody around her, in her division, isn't even fighting her for the belt. They're just fighting her for the opportunity at this point. It's nuts, man. It's nuts. I mean, Piotr Rian fighting Marlon Morice, there's a real chance that Piotr Rian is going to win the fight. You know what I mean? Marlon Marais has got way more experience and and arguably has fought uh, champions before. But we would all say it's not, a, you know, a clear and shut case that Piotr Jan is not going to win. With with Amanda Nunes, it's something else entirely, man. It's something else entirely. And she showed us. So let's start to talk about this. First off, of course she's great on the feet. Of course she's great on the feet. I mean, she's fucking Amanda Nunes. Uh, she, she's landing shots. Landing shots. And something that I think was interesting and sort of confusing to me was that her opponent, which I think maybe we should be focusing on Felicia Spencer because we already know what Amanda Nunes is going to do, right? She came out and tried to throw hands with Amanda Nunes, the lioness. Pourquoi? Why would you do that? I mean, Interestingly enough, she's from Montreal, Montreal, Canada, so it's I guess it's a good thing I use French there. That was not intentional, I promise you. But um why? Why? Why would you why would you attempt to strike with Amanda Nunes, at the very least, with your hands alone? And that was something I thought that was strange. I thought she should have opened the fight with more leg kicks. Because at the very least, if you can limit Amanda Nunez's movement, even if you aren't a good, as good of a striker as she is, you can sort of make it so that her range is limited. She's not going to be able to push off of her feet and chase you down and clamp you in her jaws, right? But she didn't do that. She didn't. I don't even think she threw one leg kick. She tried to throw hands with Amanda Nunes and she started getting clipped. She started getting clicked, and in my mind, the only chance of her winning this fight, and, and and the commentators had agreed, was that she needed to take the fight to the ground. You're not gonna beat her on the feet. Right? Um. But it's like she didn't game plan how to get there. She didn't game plan, well, how am I gonna get Amanda Nunes on the ground? I certainly can't just throw hands and then shoot in for a takedown. I mean, that's so that's. There's no complexity to that. That is the easiest, that is the easiest thing to defend for Amanda Nunes. The only way it could be easier is if I didn't throw any hand strikes and just ran straight for a takedown. You got to make it at least a little bit more complex. You got to throw some leg kicks. You got to throw some head kicks. You got to, you got to, you know, fake a, fake a level change. Maybe, I don't know, do something, but she didn't do that, man. Anyways, it didn't even matter. Because Amanda Nunes takes her to the ground on multiple occasions and just dominates her. Cuts her open on the ground in the first round. Um, and yeah, man, I mean, I mean, look, we already know how this ends. Uh, that's basically the story of the fight. I'm going to be straight with you. Um, Amanda Nunes dominated on the ground, and when they got up on the feet, Amanda Nunes picked her apart. Uh, and uh, Felicia Spencer started striking scared. Uh, And uh, I can always tell when a striker starts where a fighter starts to strike scared Because all of their movements look very awkward Very awkward their legs stiffen up like boards almost their torso is rigid Everything is tense. They're throwing a jab But they're throwing the jab without moving like their shoulders or their body or anything really They just look really uncomfortable and awkward and honestly man like If my opponent started doing that, at that moment, I know they're done. I know they're done. Because even the chances of them throwing something crazy, like an overhand right, are almost completely gone. Because they're so scared of getting hit. They cannot handle the fact that when they come into the firefight, they get shot, that they're not going to do anything risky. Now, obviously, I'm sure Amanda Nunes isn't an idiot. She was probably still looking for the crazy right hand or whatever, because, you know, anything is possible Even though some things are highly, highly, highly unlikely. Uh, In any case, uh, she was striking scared, but she's a tough girl. She's very tough. uh, And uh, they were thinking, they were talking about stopping the fight in the fourth round. And I honestly felt the exact same way. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. After a certain point, I thought, you know, maybe they they should end this because it's clear that she's not going to win the fight. And I don't want to see her get knocked out. Like, the truth of the matter is, it's one thing if you get knocked out in a competitive fight. It's exciting and, oh my God, whoa, holy shit, that's badass. But it's another thing when somebody has just taken damage for, for for like, one-sided damage for 15 to 20 minutes. And, you know, you send them in there to get finished. That's a whole other thing. That's nasty. That's like, fuck, man. You know what I'm saying? That we... You ain't got to do that. Like they already, it's over. You know what I mean? Like he, this is too much, you know, it's not really exciting at that point more than it's like, you're concerned. You're almost like just worried. You're like, fuck, like this person is about to get fucking brain damaged as fuck. You know what I'm saying? Just because (laughs) I don't know, man. It's just, there's something about that that is just gross. That's the best way I can describe it. There's something about that that's just nasty. And when corners don't call the fight, it really upsets me because I'm thinking to myself, how can you not see what I'm seeing? But then I remember, and I had talked about this before, Anthony Lionheart Smith said that there's one rule for the people who are in his corner. And that rule is that you do not call the fight. It doesn't matter what's happening to him. It doesn't matter that he's losing teeth. It doesn't matter that he's that he's he's, he's he's not gonna win the fight. You do not call his fight, and I imagine that Felicia Spencer could have said something to her team like, "Listen, this is probably the only chance at a title, a title that I'm gonna get. You know, this is probably the only title fight that I'm gonna have. Um, I don't know how long I'm gonna be doing this. I don't know if I'll get another title shot again." do not stop this fight no matter what. I want to go until the bell. I want to take my time and enjoy my time. I love this sport and I want to do it. And I'm almost like tears are almost welling up in my eyes because I understand that rationale. I understand that there's a part of you that just wants you just fucking want to be in there for I don't it's hard to explain. You don't want to let yourself down. You want to you want to it's like she's trying to enjoy the experience of, of fighting and trying and being resilient against the best in the world. Like, let me tell you something right now. It's it's it, it's kind of like this. If I had to train with Habib Nurmagomedov, I would probably get my ass fucking spanked the entire time. But if you asked me, out of all of the fighters who exist, who is the fighter that I would want to train with? I would tell you Habib, and I would tell you Habib because I would say he is a phenomena. He's like nothing we have ever seen before. I mean, even though Stylebender is my favorite fighter for multiple reasons, we've seen somebody like him before. We've seen people who are strikers and make make their career off of striking. I mean, even Conor McGregor to a degree is just another guy who's got heavy hands and, and, and is accurate. Habib is something we've never even seen. Like, nobody's even... This This guy is fucking... He's from fucking Mars. <laughs> Nobody knows what this guy drinks. You know what I mean? All, all we know is that when he was a kid, he wrestled a fucking bear, and now he's got Herculean strength. And everybody, everybody who spars with him, everybody who rolls with him says that you don't understand it until you go and you roll with him. And I guess my point is, the fact that I would still want to... Experience that, despite how he might just drop me on my head or my back or whatever, it's sort of like that in the sense that you want to know that you gave it your all, you tried your fucking best, and you left it all in there. You left it all in there. There are no regrets at the end of it. You know what I mean? And, and you you experienced what it's like to fight the best, and that's what I think that Felicia Spencer was doing, man. Because I know she knew she wasn't gonna win that fight. We all knew she wasn't gonna win that fight. And I think that that's why she was so calm in the lead up to the whole thing. Because apparently people had, you know, asked her how she felt the day before the fight. And she was like, I feel nothing. And I don't think that she felt nothing because she thought she was going to win. I think she felt nothing because she knew she was going to lose, but she wasn't there to win. She was there to fight the champion. She was there to fight the greatest female fighter of all time. She was there to have the privilege of fighting the greatest fighter of all time. I mean, let's 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 be straight here. Like if 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 you guys could go and 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 fight Muhammad Ali, wouldn't you do it? <laughs> you could fight Mike Mike Tyson or 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 Floyd Mayweather, Floyd Mayweather or whoever you think is the GOAT. You know what I mean? Wouldn't you do it? You would, man. You would, and you you would want that experience. So I think that that's why she did that. Um, tough girl, man. Tough girl. One thing I want to say about Amanda Nunes real quick before I end this video. Guys, Amanda Nunes is fucking terrifying, <laughs> okay? She is the nicest person. I think that she's probably the nicest person in the UFC. I, I'm trying to think of, like, one person who is nicer than Amanda Nunes, and I I really don't. <laughs> I really don't think I can think of anyone. Um, but she is scary, man, like, I'm talking real scary, I'm talking scary in the sense that you can feel her fucking energy, you can feel the pressure, I'm talking about through the camera, I'm looking into her eyes, and in my mind, I'm going, these are the eyes of a predator, like, these are the eyes of a of a, of a killer, most definitely, like, if you had, if, if some humans are, like, Predators and other humans are like, I don't know, omnivores and other humans are like, unfortunately some people are prey, some people have such gentle energy, you know they couldn't hurt a fly in the wild, I mean. Amanda Nunes is a predator, man. When she looks at her opponents, not even just when she looks at her opponents, when she looks at just about anybody, you get this feeling like she just fucking she's just on, like, she's, it's almost like there's just a switch, and it's just on, and it's just on all the time, and, like, when she fights, you can see it the most, she smiles at her opponents when she fights them, and, you know, I get it, you know, you're in there working, and you're, you're kicking ass, of course, that feels good, but it's not even just that, it's the way she fucking looks at you, it's like, she's gonna fucking eat you, man. (laughs) She's gonna eat you. And you know it. You know she's gonna eat you. And that is terrifying, bro. That is fucking terrifying. Oh my gosh, she's so scary, man. She's so scary. So nice. I mean, I love her. I love her. I can't not love her. But oh, Jesus fucking Christ, she's fucking terrifying. I'm so serious. There aren't a lot of female fighters that I would say that I would be, like, afraid of. You know, I'm sure that all of us would say that Francis Ngannou is a pretty scary guy, right? But Francis Ngannou is a huge heavyweight, right? It makes sense that you'd be afraid of Francis Ngannou. You know what I'm saying? Um, a lot of people would say that they're afraid of Yoel Romero and that makes sense. But Amanda Nunes is like 145 pounds when she fights, probably like 165 pounds, uh, when she's, when she's not fighting. And I'm still scared of that woman. I don't care what anybody says. That woman is a fucking terrifying, bro. That is a scary woman. I'm, t- I'm telling you for real. Um, but she won. She won. Uh, she took the decision victory. She had mercy on Felicia at the end and, and took her down to the ground and just kind of controlled her and held her there. And after the fight, and this is just, just a testament to how kind Amanda Nunes is, she puts the belt on Felicia's shoulder, man. And Felicia's tearing up. She's crying, man, because this is like, this is honestly probably as good as it gets for Felicia Spencer. I mean, guys, think about how crazy that is. Like, that is, that's the moment. Like, if there was a moment, at least in her MMA or physical sports career or anything, any kind of physical activity she ever does, that moment right there is the moment for the rest of her life. She held a UFC belt on her shoulder, and the greatest female fighter of all time put it on her shoulder. Man, it's things like that that make me feel warm and and loving on the inside, because I just know that that is so fucking powerful for for Felicia and so meaningful to her, and, and for Amanda to just do it like, hey man, hey, you know what, hey, here. It's just such a simple thing but you guys have no idea how much that probably meant to her I mean for the rest of her life that will stick with her. fucking incredible anyways guys uh, this is uh, this is uh, the Monday combat review uh, we will uh, keep keep it going I'll probably make another video on Wednesday and talk about the fuckery. That's been going on with Conor McGregor. <laughs> I'm sorry, I shouldn't say that, but honestly, it it it, it it's a bit of fuckery. I, I'm not even gonna lie. When I heard what I heard, I was like, "What the fuck." Also, gonna talk about Vidal, Jones. Everybody's fucking leaving now, so we gotta talk about this shit. Anyways, listen, if you if you like. My channel, if you like my podcast, if you like my videos, if you like any of my stuff, make sure that you hit a like. Make sure that you hit the subscribe if you want to see me more often. If you don't want to see me more often, that's fine too. Uh, If you want to follow me on Twitter, I am at uh, addict underscore combat. Uh, And if you want to follow me on Instagram, I am the combat addict. And if you want to follow me on TikTok, I am the combat addict. And if you want to follow me on Twitch, I am The underscore Combat underscore Addict. So that's all of my stuff there. And uh, I'll see you guys on the next one. I I literally filmed this on my break. So we're going to go back to work now. And uh, good news, everybody. We're going to have better quality videos in, I would say, about a week. Give me one week. And we can get better quality videos, better quality audio. I'm going to be out here like a fucking professional podcaster, YouTuber, whatever you want to call it. It's going to be fucking amazing. It's going to be spectacular. You're going to love it. I'm going to love it. We're going to fucking high, ch- high five each other and suck each other off. It's going to be great. I'm going to fucking propose to you on a yacht and you're going to say yes because you fucking love me and it's going to be fucking sweet. So stick around because, uh, Combat Addict is not going anywhere except right now because I've got to upload this video. Have a good day, guys.